Steps to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton along with Dr. Jim Polo. And it has been a few minutes since we talked about this very strange place that we find ourselves in with ICUs filled again to capacity and a divide in our country over the validity of vaccines. We can begin to feel unmoored and destabilized. There is this term for the benefit and personal growth that comes from experiencing a crisis. It's called post-traumatic growth. But I wanted to talk to Dr. Polo today about why this pandemic has been so costly to our mental health and whether post-traumatic growth might be possible during a pandemic. Hi, Dr. Polo. It's so good to see you. Sheila, it's always great to see you. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. You know, when you talk about the pandemic, you talk about it in terms of a disaster. And when we think of disaster, we think of earthquake, tornado, hurricane, right? So why is this, in your terminology, a disaster? So remember that disasters have a couple characteristics. And one of them is that usually it's some kind of an event. It's unexpected. It creates a lot of chaos that usually forces you to think about how you're going to reuse your resources to address the disaster. And there's going to be a recovery period where you're dealing with the after effects and the damage of the disaster. We usually think of disasters like a wildfire, an earthquake. So the pandemic is really a disaster. It's a natural disaster. You know, it's a virus. It is creating a tremendous amount of Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our virus. I'm with Dr. Jim Polo. I'm very curious because in most disasters, you have this period where it's really awful and people serve the damage. And then there's this community building back together. And then you get to go back to normal for some period of time. But we've been denied that natural process of recovery. So what you're alluding to is that many disasters are what we call static disasters. Give me the an event happens again because all the destruction occurs and then we're um, in recovery. The, the best example is an airplane crash. The airplane crashes, when we the event is over, being and now we're already we in the process of recovery. So this is a dynamic disaster. That are more it's evolving still. It started, so disorder. it's growing, These are individuals there are still unknowns. Uh, it's I'm lasted Ill, a sick, long time, and yet it's created there isn't a tremendous amount of for uncertainty. Hypochondriac, and so unlike other disasters where you kind of have it happen to you and then you, you just got to move through you know, the recovery is, part. Is in the this is a disaster that's unfolding. Now, here's the reason why I and say it's that. it's got ups and downs be to it. so it's not even over inattentive. Yet. And in fact, in other words, we don't really know where it's going to go. When, when tension, but I don't have so then it. So it gets to my question because, because you know, there's this really hopeful idea that as we go through trauma or as we go through loss, there's something that we can always learn from I don't have a test. But is it possible if we don't foresee an end? If we don't like know when this is ever going tests. to be over, test that to test your ability to actually pay attention. Yes. yes. What it I can't still do is I can't definitively say I have that growth. And I guess, unlike the, the one thing I would clarify is where I can actually this do an EMG and demonstrate, will, no, your yeah. muscles functioning okay. perfectly well. I can't give you, you can't move an exact idea of when the acute phase will be over in terms of rising infection, motion, you know, worsening hospitalizations and deaths and so forth. But all disasters eventually come to a conclusion. In this particular case, more than likely, the COVID virus will simply become endemic, and we will learn how to live with it, but the disaster itself will calm down. But there's going to be a long road of recovery for many people. 
It so feels to me you, like uh, in the beginning, people were fearing the unknown, but now they're dreading the known. And I want to know sort of which like is worse for you your mental health and what we can do you... about both yes, aspects yes, of that. Yes. So talk about well, that. it's that not a matter of which is okay. worse. You know, it's a matter of both can be very bad, particularly depending on your perspective. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Okay. Early in the pandemic, and one of the biggest challenges we had is can there be was just this about fear that we would not have symptoms that are related. Yeah. And so we didn't know okay. whether we would even have example, the ability let, to let's control say you're going to the spread of the virus. Your, and of course, you know, there were fears about, voice. gosh, could that can be a millions and millions and millions? In other words, people there's nothing biologically when we behind fear it, but somehow that we don't with know, symptom we do tend that to think is about worst germane to your senses. Where our mind uh, takes us in this one worst this sense case of scenario really okay. happens. But so you start acting as if it's a sense of feeling, whether it's a you highlighted that, and and this is what's important about this particular disaster. This because now we have known things coming out, so and now you can simply get afraid of something that really has a lot of reality to it. So for example, in We've learned that something. the Delta that, that's what, variant it's, it's is very, very complex. complex. <laughs> and we've learned that some people, a lot, some people, despite having been vaccinated, can still end up getting infected and their immune system can still be overrun despite the fact that they were primed. Absolutely. And that's a fear. So that's a fear of something that's known. Now, in fact, you don't know for sure that demonstrates the extreme side of this is a disorder called disorder. Of course, creates the very disorder. same sense of angst, the same sense of fear, the when same I was sense in training, of, of anxiety, mother, as if it was active duty. I want to talk a little bit about the factors that go into single. these different uh, styles and, of coping, because uh, I know people right now that are living as if and this never happened, as a and drill they're going sergeant, she had to, to concerts, and they're early, living their best lives, and, very and they long do hours, not have an ounce of fear left. And then I know others that have still not come out of their homes. So what factors are attributed to those that are experiencing great destabilization and then go to the and other she got admitted to the psychiatric uh, so it's very important to remember that she all of us have right different things that make us and they had admitted her mm-hmm. initially fact, to the department of neurology they did all kinds of studies um, different scans in fact this is kind of were just barely kind of not implying becoming that older available mature folks they necessarily said absolutely are better able to handle with disasters at all Often and she had a couple of subtle psychiatric symptoms, partly kind of because they don't recognize the significance of what's going no on. No matter how many times you described to the her, the first thing normal, that is important as a factor uh, is, way the body first works, of all, her what's your work? sense of self? Okay. How much confidence do you and have in yourself? conversion disorder you is when your mind yourself is struggling with the outside world. That and in general, folks are confident and you can't deal with it on a rational Hey, I can do something. I can overcome something. If there's a problem, I can fix it. Here's what we ended up just uh, tend kind to have of piecing together after you know, three with weeks confidence of, of when they're faced psychiatric work. with a challenge. Mm. By not um, people being that tend able to have a right positive attitude that see and by the, not being able to the silver lining be a drug that see the and by not good from the bad, could see the opportunity from and the challenge. And she was horribly conflicted about eager sometimes and to feel it's okay to be thrown and in. And she felt like she was a horrible is, mother I'll get neglecting her two-year-old. The third thing because when she got this job, really she went from locus of control. Pretty regular so these are folks that have very good balance. Remember that when you're in a disaster, 10, 12, 14 hours, 7 days, a week in life we're, and we're she always complain this we don't always recognize it. and There's she didn't have a spouse at home because male drill sergeants 
had a wife at home to take care of the kids. You're the kind of individual that can single male focus. Drill sergeants didn't have kids because if they were divorced, the kids were with the mother. Anyway, the folks that tend to make so disasters. She called it psychologically. Wrestle with worrying about the things that how do I control anyway? How do I succeed? How do I have a career? Because they can't control. All when you're of in that a disaster, there's so many things you, you just can't control. Well, when, so you have to focus when we on the things that you can control to get, get through those, those to really steps of challenge. To recognize and what she was really struggling with. It's all about your coping yeah. skills, your right coping on strategies, your coping style. Now, this is where experience <laughs> so can make a difference. <laughs> and she also and decided, I don't want to be a drill sergeant. You're the type of individual who knows So, you get very anxious start getting irritable. And that one of the ways that you can tone down your irritability and tone down your anxiety is to make sure that you're getting plenty of rest, then you're going to work that into your plan. Hey, I know myself. I need to get rest. When I start feeling that irritability, I know that's an action I need to take. taking a specific action and putting it into play that you know helps you. We all have different things that help us. So it's about coping skill and strategy. Ironically so, enough, so you're highlighting something one that of the I really, coping skills that really be quite helpful in. are folks and, and that do indeed say to themselves, all wait a second, I need to focus on those things that are most uniquely to handle I can control the life around and us. I'm not going to worry about these things. And when life exceeds our capabilities, so all of these we do everything we can. To you know, Dr. Paul, I'm so interested in this idea that we can not only rely on our existing sense of self, but that there are things that we can do to shore up that sense of self. When all those things, things that are you don't going awry, and you know, you name one, rest. Of course, everybody I knows exercise. Necessarily say I'm really curious all of us have conversion around the benefits of mindfulness and meditation you know, during a time like this. Just because I do see even a lot of people that I would describe that we go as having for. incredible resilience, but I do really think that right now. all of so us it's important to sometimes find ourselves in situations where our coping capacity is exhausted, it's exceeded, resilience doesn't and our mean mind face challenges. It doesn't mean that you're immune to stress. It simply means, ironically enough, face with I feel that sometimes emotional, physical, whatever is about trying to escape. You can. Bounce back for some individuals emotionally. So folks trying that have resilience misery, have trying that to skill that you know, capability of facing whatever it kind of takes them us to a different place. Getting back yeah. to where they need to be. To there is no question that experience plays a role in this. You know, if you might face something that you never faced before and you're able to get through it, you will more than likely be a little less afraid the next time. And you'll likely be a little more confident in this and in addition. Or they don't you will have learned a few little how, tricks about whatever that happens actually to explain be. it. So, so when I have individuals patient join the military service, telling me that why they're do they do this? They join the military service because they want to serve the nation, and the and ultimate they, they service would that, be potentially you know, having to go off. That is going to happen. And as far as I'm concerned, that's not something you inherently that perception for them on your is real. Very frightening. So what and does the no military services do? Of telling lots them of training, it's not possible. Practice. That's to, not what this yeah, is about. You through some of and that so fear. I don't generally and use some of that the practice is very realistic. Um, mm. So what, what if on the offhand uh, chance you ever have to be in that situation for real, that are you can kind of them. default back to is what you learned I, in training. 
you can fall back to some of the things that, that you learned that will help you get through and real the fear. Now, what is and, it that and, we need and the, to and the stress do and, and, and the physical and the so emotional and everything? You, you know, think you're I like having a hard the time idea of and all the symptoms growth. Align, and I like the idea of the Phoenix phenomenon, but does it put too much pressure on people? I realize to say, that's you feel, no, you can actually be better you, through this really or realistically, should we breaths, just do the best that we can down, do with you know, people whatever. to help but, but them I think the, the struggle well through a really hard time? Because it is a really hard humans, time, you know, and I often feelings. wonder if post-traumatic growth are. doesn't put an inordinate amount of pressure on people who are just feeling their feelings. That doesn't Yeah, I think that's such an important because we certainly don't want folks to hear us being, you know, we're not saying Yeah. We're not saying that you that well. <laughs> need help. We're not saying that you can't go get help. And we're not saying that you might not be impacted. And in fact, you know, we can talk about some folks that have serious that trauma where they actually need help. Yeah. Their skills are exhausted. Uh, they didn't have enough factors or the event was just so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boy, nobody that, would have had the built-in resources. I'll uh, use a personal example. So we're not saying that you may not need help. What we are saying is that Facts you can facts. grow through Everything trauma. Is not. Sometimes yeah. you and actually need help. Brother, sometimes you may not. A little bit of a when you talk to people who to have a great stuff. sense so of spirituality and deep the purpose, city, many of them, he will begin I think to think, the vast majority, I I have gone through something called, really tough, I, really, I really he, trying time. His and mind that, just and that automatically there is a way that goes going that through these difficulties he, he, he is what causes us to self-reflect, to ask the questions that you talked about, about where does our well-being come from I know and how do we support I'd ourselves and others. And so I'm curious what you have done, Dr. Cole, that's been different as this pandemic drags on and especially in your role at your company where the stress is increasing, not decreasing. What are you doing? Because his mind will go to the worst possible case in the pandemic before. What? A rash could be melanoma? I think I have melanoma. How do I get that test right away? Actually, that's to a fly to myself. Somatization. Same things. I've tried to <laughs> coach other people, both in an informal way, but also in some cases in a very formal way to help them grow. I don't think there's anything wrong it can with getting help it to can grow be. through trauma. People that are very and I don't think there's anything wrong with everything in their control to grow through can trauma. Sometimes Traditionally, we talk about little five domains kind of a within which. You I can would imagine grow that from a trauma. mindfulness practice personal growth. Is super good. Okay. Yes. Pers personal growth is about, about helping you understand your own strengths are on yourself. Figuring out how you look at and, and kind figuring of out how reliant so you can be. So, so figuring out is how wonderful you can manage in a moment. That kind of figuring that out how you can determine what it is that you're going to focus on you know, and what you're going to do in the moment really that, that personal and growth. Asked me to and this is kind about of about like, attitude in the sense that it's about I can do something. I can overcome something. So the first area of life in trauma is about you. More, more folks uh, than recognize that when you go through events, even events that are not significant, we're constantly learning things that encourage us to be more willing to deal with adversity in front of us. And so I like to point that out all the time to folks. It, and you don't have to have a pandemic, you know. So if I have an individual, for example, that was struggling really, really hard in a relationship, and they were able to get through that relationship, either make the relationship turn out the way they wanted or potentially figure out it's not quite the relationship and move on to another one. 
I love to point out, look how you handled that. You came to a better point of understanding in that relationship, what you want. That's all about personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the second domain is relational growth. And this, this actually relates to the fact that when it comes to trauma, few of us can weather the storm of a trauma all by ourselves. Okay. We, we are humans built to connect to others. So relational growth is partly about how do I help others? How do I ask others for help? Who are my real friends? What does friendship really mean? How do I connect to others? When it comes to things like a pandemic, how do we come together as community? How do we create unity so that we can do something together? Kind of like, you know, let's all think about how we can, you know, protect ourselves from infection rather than just how can I protect me from infection? The third domain of growth is really about the wisdom of understanding the appreciation for life. In Mm -hmm. other words, what is it that really matters that I can be thankful for? Mm. Whether it's family values, you learn not to take for granted those little joys that when nothing is going on, you didn't realize were significant. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we, we talk about during times of stress, take a moment to be thankful for the little things that you don't think about every day. Hey, today was a sunny day. Mm. I had a nice walk out there. Nature is beautiful. The virus is flowing all around outside, but nature is still beautiful and I'm protecting myself because I'm out in the open. And you know Mm. what? I can be thankful for that. So it's really having a greater appreciation for life. The fourth domain is all about opportunity and possibilities. Sometimes when you find yourself in a situation of significant trauma and stress, you realize, hey, there are things I can do. And maybe there are some challenges out there that I thought I would stay away from that are really opportunities that I can go and pursue. So you begin thinking about maybe I could do this. Maybe I can do that. Maybe in the middle of all of this, for example, some young folks say to themselves, you know what? I think I'll be a doctor. I've watched what's gone on and I've seen how the media has talked about doctors and I never thought I could do that. But now I think, I think I could do that and I want to do that. So Mm. it's about taking that traumatic experience and finding new possibilities for yourself and dreaming and then fulfilling them. I love that. You know, Dr. Polo, it feels to me like in order to do these activities and really evaluate yourself and your relationship to the world, you really need to turn off a lot of the prescribed voices that we're hearing, the news and the arguments on Facebook and that the people that would just throw negativity your way every single hour. So how do we remain informed at the same time, take into consideration those incredible areas of post-traumatic growth that you just talked about? So that's a complex question. It actually relates to all of these domains. One of the things that is so significant when you're dealing with a traumatic event is you first of all have to remind yourself that the stress and anxiety that you're having is normal. There's nothing wrong with you for being stressed. There's nothing wrong with you because you're anxious. That's the normal response. Along with that, you have to have a realization. You have to be accepting of the fact that all of us are susceptible to being overstressed and overanxious. You have to actually be part of the process of limiting your exposure. You've highlighted something that's so important. If you pick up any paper 
or you open up any website or you go to any news outlet, we are bombarded with all the negative stuff that is going on. And you can get lost in that. And you will not run out of bad stories to read about. You will not run out of horrible things. (laughs) In fact, one clicks you to the next. Exactly. I understand how it works, right? And so you have to to almost kind of be a little bit smart with yourself and say, wait a second. Number one, I don't control all these events. Number two, this is not a reflection of reality anyway. This is what the media is bombarding me with. And I need to put a limit to that. Okay. So I tell people all the time with regard to the pandemic, if you want to look at the news to simply know what's going on, that'll take you about 10 minutes. That's all it will take. Is there anything new about boosters? Is there anything new about vaccination? Is there anything new about a new strain? All of that you can find out in just a few minutes. But when you're reading the fifth article about the 10th person that got hospitalized and is now on a ventilator, you're essentially contributing to your own trauma. That's right. Yeah. You're contributing to your own trauma. I know that our healthcare workers are probably in the most vulnerable position right now of anyone. You know, they're being forced with this influx of new patients, many of those who actually don't believe that they have COVID or don't want to be treated for COVID and didn't get a vaccine. And I'm just wondering, Dr. Polo, given how close to these providers you are, if you have any advice for them just about the reality of how difficult their lives have become and how to get through it. This is a tough one. Um, You know, I can tell you as a physician, we spend years training to help other people. And we grow up, we develop in a culture of using science to do the best that we can. Mm. Okay. And we don't have a cure for everything and we don't know everything, but we do know a lot. Yeah. It's very hard when you have people that you're trying to help and you're feeling like they're contributing to their own harm needlessly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get into a debate about the vaccine, whether you yeah. should or you shouldn't. Yeah. I, I think it's an emotional choice that many people make. And the reason why I say that is you'll hear uh, people that are in favor of vaccination kind of sometimes try to shame people that, hey, you don't understand science and yeah. you're just making an emotional choice based on not wanting to be told what to do. Yeah. Okay? Well, here's the funny thing. The people that are getting the vaccine, they're no more knowledgeable about the science. (laughs) They just happen to be a little bit more willing to take somebody else's advice. So we're all emotional about this. And the reason why I feel sorry for the, the providers on the front lines is because those are the individuals that really do see folks that did things that contributed. It's, and it's not just, it, it, this doesn't just apply to COVID. Imagine the uh, ER physician that sees a 10-year-old that comes into the emergency room with multiple broken bones because the parents didn't use a seatbelt. Right. But it'd been prevented yeah. by a seatbelt. That, that's the same kind of feeling. They, you know, as a provider, you when you see things that contributed to somebody's injury or ill health, you just feel like it could have been prevented. Now we right. hope that. When people have those experiences, they learn from it. That's part of that post-traumatic growth, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so we hope they learn from it. But what's happening right now is, unfortunately, there are a lot of providers that are having to watch and struggle with people at the very ends of their life. And the feeling on their side is, this could have been prevented. That's a hard yeah. thing to watch. 
Yeah. That's a very hard thing to watch. I think at some point, maybe we should get some healthcare providers on just to talk them through this type of, because I, I, I just keep reflecting on at the beginning of this pandemic, how people were out on their porches, you know, banging pots for them. And now it's almost as if there's this oppositional type of treatment that I just see as so unduly painful. It's a really, really difficult, difficult time for most of my friends who are doctors and nurses. You know, it also, it also brings up an issue that's important for us to remember. Trauma can be experienced from many different perspectives. So if you just think about this pandemic, if you're a child and your whole world has changed because dad lost his job, we had to move, I can't go to school, mom's in the room all day on a laptop doing something that I don't understand, that can be traumatic from that lens. If you're an individual that got COVID and you ended up in the hospital on a ventilator for three months, and then you went home and you have permanent residual physical symptoms, that's a whole different type of trauma. Yeah. If you're a parent of a child that didn't want to get vaccinated and then got COVID and died, that's loss. And then if you're a provider working in the ER and you just see death and dying day in, day out, you Mm. may never get the virus yourself, but that's trauma too. And also every single day that you're going in there, you're risking the potential of getting it and spreading it to your family. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the important things for us to remember is life is full of challenges. We have to somehow recognize that as being partly normal in the sense that things happen that you don't expect. What can we do to help ourselves during it? What can we do to help others around us? Mm. And what do we have to think about afterwards to be able to recover. It's all very important. Mm, That's a perfect place to end it, Dr. Polo. We have been um, so incredibly delighted by our partnership with Fora Health. And we want to thank Fora once again for the incredible series that just got such unbelievable participation on addiction and recovery. And we're also grateful to our sponsors at East Bank Media for putting together our brand new website and keeping in touch with you. If you have any question of Dr. Polo or would like us to take on any kind of topic that we haven't covered thus far, please email me at Sheila at Beyond Well. Bye, bye, bye.